0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Faith Bible Church. We pray as you listen to the following message, you will be encouraged and equipped to passionately pursue Christ. For more information, please visit our website at fbcevansville.com. So today our topic is a biblical understanding of church membership. And it seems to me, and I don't think this is a, a real stretch for any of us to think about um, that people in the United States specifically um, are afraid of commitment. Um, there are all sorts of reasons for that. But it seems that people uh, don't want to be locked in. Um, they want to they keep their options open. And I'm speaking in general terms here. I don't think everyone is that way, right? Um, if, if, you, if you think about, it, just look at dating and marriage um, in the United States. Uh, people wait to get married, if they get married at all, until much, much later in life than what previous generations did. Um, I talk with guys at my work who are unbelievers, and, um, you know, they confess. They tell me, you know, I don't want to get tied down Well, even the view of marriage as being tied down or locked down or stuck um, is a wrong view, of course. Uh, And so what they do is they they try things out before marriage to see if it works. They avoid a real commitment, but they want to reap the benefits of uh, a relationship like that. So what do they do they they live together right they they move in together let's let's give it a try or they date for years and years and years but always leaving the door open just in case things don't work out and there a better option may may come around um and people live with this live like this in their jobs too you know it used to be common that men would retire from a job after working there 30, 40 years, right? They start this job out of school. If they went to school at all, you know, they worked this job and felt a sense of accomplishment. They didn't like all the days, but they were committed to it, you know? I work in an industry where it's, it's pretty common for pilots uh, to work at a place for a year or two until they look for the next best jet, the next best thing, the next, you know, they're always looking for, they're always switching jobs. And uh, sometimes that's because of the industry itself. But other times, a lot of these guys, you know, they're, they're looking for this work-life balance or better pay or, you know, always leaving the door open, not, not to commit to anything because we might get stuck for the long haul in a job I don't really want. Um, the same could be said and can be true about Joining a church, right? There are so many churches out there. So many. So, if you move or you need to go to a different church for whatever reason, finding one can be difficult. It can be hard to find a church that, um, now let's see, it's even hard for me to even say it because I think, like, what's a good fit, right? Do we look for what's a good fit? Um, but there are a lot, of, a lot of church shoppers out there, too, right? you know you attend for uh, a few weeks and then you you move on. I mean, look at Oak Hill Road. Like how many churches, you just come out at our church and like just go across the street. You can try another church over there and go down the down the a block or so, right? Uh it we we've seen it here before too, right? I'm sure you have. Like there's a visitor here, you connect with them or you see them, you meet them, you say hi and like, "Wow, we've got a lot of commonalities. You know, there's, there's some, some, we know maybe some of the same people. Uh, there's a, they're in the same stage of life or a similar job or something, and you know, you're, you're liking d- talking with them. You look forward to the next Sunday when you can have a, more conversations with them, maybe some common hobbies or interests. And, and then it's like a couple weeks later, like, poof, they're gone. Like, where did they go? Why are they not here? It's like, was it something I said? Do I need to Brush my teeth better? Where did they, you know, why is that? In the Nine Marks book, there's a quote from a man named Dan E. Eberly. He says Public opinion research points to a deepening paradox in society the combination of commitment to religion with a deepening moral relativism. For example, while 91% of the American people consider religion very important in their lives, 63% reject the concept of absolutes. What's interesting about that quote is it was written in 1994. And I would say 30, in, in 30 years, those percentages have changed. Um, I don't know how. Uh, I, I didn't do the research for that. But um, the growth in moral relativism or the increase in that is for sure true in the United States. Um, I do think, though, as I interact with people outside the church, there are lots of people that would say they are religious. You know, they have, maybe they say they, they, they think about spirituality or spiritual things, or yes, that's true, they may not go to church at all, they may not do anything that we would consider religious, um, but they would, uh, you know, they may not be connected with any type of organized religion, um, but they would say that they believe in something, right? Then also these same people would say that you can't pin them down with anything that's absolute truth. We We can't do that, right? This idea rings true though, about this lack of commitment or not wanting to commit to things. Our world does not want to be beholden to anyone and doesn't want to be strapped to something that closes our options. You know, we have the American ethos, right? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get it done, right? We don't need anyone's help. We'll do it ourselves along with loving ease and comfort and pleasure. If we keep it simple... I don't entangle myself with others, then I can be happy. I don't have somebody weighing me down. Maybe I'll be a liability to them. They for sure will be a liability to me. So let's not make those connections. You put all that together and you have a culture that is hostile to the New Testament Christianity and definitely is not very comfortable with a commitment like church membership. When we think about church membership, we got to think about, well, again, what is a church? In that first week, uh, in that first lesson, we discussed what a church is. It's not the building, right? The building is not a church, even though we do say we're going to church. Uh, You know, a pastor I know uh, always uh, calls it the church house. You know, we're going to the church house. Um, I, I really wanted that to be my practice to say, I'm going to the church house. I tried, I can't get that in my vernacular, even though I love it. Like I want to say it, but I just can't get it to stick. So like going to the church house, I think it was the, um, correct me if I'm wrong. The Puritans that called it the meeting house. Um, mainly I think because they actually met in houses. Um, and so it was the house and that's where they would meet. Um, so when we When we talk about going to church, we often mean this meeting that we're having today. We're going to church. this is what we, we what we mean. Uh, we can mean the building sometimes, but parlance aside there, as we talked about a few weeks ago, the church is the gathering of believers that that uh, the Greek word ekklesia, it's a gathering, but it isn't just a gathering it it's a uh, The Bible shows us that a church is a group of Christians who not only meet together regularly, but who are bound together by this common commitment to each other. It's an agreement to be the body of Christ together. And this means that the church is not just any gathering of Christians, but a specific group that gathers regularly and knows who each other is. The body of people profess and give evidence that they have been saved, By God's grace alone, for his glory alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So that's a church. What we're talking about today is that joining a church, becoming a member of that church. When I say joining, I don't mean just coming in here and sitting in the seats on a Sunday morning. right? What does it mean to become a member of that? What does that look like? And we talked about this again. I just want to reiterate a few of these things the difference between the universal church, that's when you are saved, when God saves you, you become part of that church, the universal church. That's the big C church. Everyone becomes a part of that. But what, we've, what we teach in our newcomers class, what we're teaching here, is that, um, that what we call the little C church, a local church, We see that throughout the New Testament that that once you are saved, you become part of the big C, you need to join a little C. You need to to be a part of that one as well. So, So why join a church? Joining a church, becoming a member of a local body of believers, doesn't save you. Be real clear on that. It doesn't bring salvation any more than our good works does or the school that we go to. What family we grow up in, our culture, financial contributions, or baptism. Any of those things don't save us, right? So becoming a member doesn't save us either. In fact, understanding the definition of a church means that only believers can become members of a church. Non Christians should not seek to join a church what they should learn. And, and that will happen at times. They want to be part of a group. They want to be accepted. Um, that, there's that great dichotomy in our culture. Like We want to be accepted, but we don't want to commit to something. Um, so it's, it's this back and forth uh, tension that's there. But an unbeliever shouldn't seek to become a member of a church. They should seek to understand what Christianity is all about. What does it mean to be a believer? What does it mean to be a Christian? And that doesn't mean that um, unbelievers can't or don't attend churches. I, have, I hope and uh, anticipate that we would have unbelievers here at church on a Sunday morning. Um, they should be. But the primary purpose of church on Sunday mornings and what we do in our discipleship is to build up the body of Christ. Unbelievers are not part of that body of Christ. Reading through Acts and the stories of the early, early churches, there is no evidence um, that anyone but believers were members of those churches. You look at what Paul, uh, in his letters to the churches, there is pretty clear that he's assuming that they are believers because he writes to them as saints, right? To the saints in whatever letter he's writing to because it's just about every one of them or or he says it the same way. A saint means one who is chosen by God uh, or the one that God has chosen, right? Well, let's talk about five reasons and this comes out of that Nine Marks book and I'm sure there are more reasons, okay? Uh, But here are five good reasons why we should join a church. And here's an interesting thing. One, it's to assure ourselves. Now, I've already said it, we don't join a church to be saved. But we may want to join a church to help us in making certain that we are saved. Remember Jesus' words in John, um, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Or, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You are my friends if you do what I command you. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. See, when we join a church, we are asking the brothers and sisters in Christ to look at our lives to hold us accountable we are asking others to look at our lives to encourage us, to remind us of how God works in our lives, and at times to challenge us when we are moving away from God. We should ask ourselves, do I understand that following Christ fundamentally involves how I treat other people especially other people who are members of my church? Do I love these other people and do I give of myself to them? You know, when we join a church, we are inviting people to be involved in our lives. At the same time, we are saying that we will be involved in their lives. And being involved in their lives doesn't just mean Being on the same softball team together, that can happen for sure, definitely. It doesn't mean just going and having dinner with them. It's what are we doing that encourages them to follow Christ and how am I allowing them to look into my life and encourage me? Helping one another along toward love and good deeds. I can be willing to help others, but I also have to be willing to have somebody look into my life. And that can be hard. I, I recognize that. I say sometimes you got to be willing to let people see the ugly, you know, because we all have it. Um, and I, I, I'm sure you all know people, probably people even in this church, that are great servants. They love people, and they love to serve people. They serve people well. They interact in people's lives, but the first time they need help, you don't even know it. So they don't, they're not practicing what they preach, I guess, maybe is a, a one way to say it. And that can be tough. I understand that. Um, but that's one of the uh, expectations of being a member of a local church is that it goes both ways. We've got to be willing to do that. As members, we're here to remind each other of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who he himself gave everything of himself for us. And we should do the same for each other. You know, fellow members are grasping hands with each other so that we know each other and we are known. Second is to evangelize the world. A local church is by nature a missionary organization. And we do this better as a group. Uh, Some of you know, but maybe not all of you are aware of Campus Outreach. It's a great organization that works on campuses across the country and actually around the world. And they have this thing that they talk about, this vision for multiplication. And the idea is that um, one person can go out and share the gospel and that person can share the gospel with one person or three people or however many people that person can share the gospel with, whoever can hear them. That's this idea. They can do that. But if they share that, you get somebody, God saves. Now, two of you do that. Now you've just multiplied how, much, uh, how many people that you can share the gospel with. And so we keep sharing the gospel. More people get saved. We work together together. To to share the gospel. Now we're we are spreading out and multiplying the the, the amount of people that we can share the gospel with, um, and we're also multiplying disciples. Right, it's it goes both ways. We do, we multiply the disciples and do that. The church should operate that way. Right, there are people that are that are gifted for sure in in sharing the gospel. There are people that are gifted in sharing their faith, starting conversations, finding somebody and just starting up a conversation. I am not good at meeting somebody and just starting a conversation. It's Dan Gilok, on the other hand, it's like he could start a conversation with this chair. He is, he's gifted at that, of being able, that maybe not the chair, but people, you know, he's very good at that. Start it just from, it's very good. But as, uh, as we are members here, we should be encouraging one another to share the gospel, and we should be sharing it um, as a group, um, When we are encouraged from up front, in the classrooms, in the hallways, whatever, uh, to share our faith, and as more and more people are sharing their faith, then that faith spreads. And doing that in cooperation with one another has a great impact. Another reason is to expose false doctrine. One of the ways we do that, now you may read that and you may say, oh yes, that means somebody up front, we're just going to start talking about all the people that we see that are bad and that's what we do up front. I do not mean that necessarily. For sure, there's going to be times that we're going to highlight that and we're going to talk about those things, but that is not it. What I mean is when we meet together and join together at church on a Sunday, when we are members together, joining together, we are showing the world what Christianity really is. You know, many people... Outside the church, see the church from the outside um, as a bunch of self righteous people who want to jam some outdated, obnoxious, restrictive idea of how to live down their throats. You know, they look at us as people who are looking for wrong in everyone else while ignoring our own issues. And sadly, There is some truth to certain people or certain churches um, that operate that way. Um, That is not the way the church is supposed to be. We can fight this false image by having a church that doesn't live that way. You know, they'll say, Well, I don't want to go to church because it's filled with a bunch of hypocrites. It's like, Well, we are broken, we are not perfect. The thing is, we recognize that we're not perfect. And we recognize that we need change. And we recognize where that change comes from. It isn't from within ourselves, thinking good thoughts and trying really hard. It's that we need something outside of us. Now, people outside the church may be hypocrites, maybe looking down on others, looking for wrong in other people. They don't recognize where the change comes from. They just want to try really hard um, or not try at all, right? So we invite them, come be broken with us. But we are striving to live lives that please God because we need the help that he gives. We're not looking to just be broken and just be happy in our brokenness. No, we're looking at that we can be complete in Christ. And so as we expose that false doctrine in that, uh, that helps there. Why join a church? To edify the church. This is to build up other believers, Joining a church helps counter our own wrong individualism. And it'll help us realize the corporate nature of Christianity. When you're committed to a local body of believers, you're committing to help work through challenges and problems. Problem solving. Addressing issues. um, Dealing with church discipline. That's going to be one of the things we deal with in one of our weeks coming up. We should definitely have care and concern for one another. Um, And I don't just mean uh, only fixing meals, mowing lawns, babysitting. Those are needed for sure. So if you see a need help, do that. But also, helping people see sin in their lives. Helping people that are suffering. If you have somebody that you see as a busybody, fellow members should come alongside them and, and talk to them about it. If someone is falling away, you haven't seen them at church for a while, brothers and sisters should try to encourage that person to come back. Find out why. That's living the Christian life, really. Just living the Christian life with one another. We have a responsibility to those. We are members of together. Mark Dever, in his book, calls Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, the lettuce patch of the New Testament. I'd never heard that before. And it's because the, the writer in that section says, let us, throughout the passage. Uh, it's a good reminder for, uh, to us in this individualistic age. It says this, therefore, brothers For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Church membership is an opportunity to grasp hold of each other in responsibility and love. This is essentially discipleship and discipleship is an individual task as well as a corporate activity in church we disciple one another and if you boil it down everything we do here at church is essentially discipleship and we're going to talk more about discipleship our individual and corporate responsibility in another week as well Fifth is to um, glorify God. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. It's so interesting. It's our conduct which... They're speaking against us as evildoers. They will then see them as good deeds and glorify God. Or another one is, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. It's wild to me that the assumption is our good deeds will give God the glory. God will get the glory for any type of good that we do. And this is true of us individually, but it's also true of us corporately living life together in the church. So what are our responsibilities and duties as members of Faith Bible Church? There's this quote in the Nine Marks book that Mark Dever says. He says, church members are to be baptized and to regularly attend the Lord's table. Those are the two ordinances that the church uh, has. He says, we're to hear God's word and to obey it. We are to regularly fellowship together for mutual edification. We are to love God, to love one another, and to love those outside of our fellowship. And we are to evidence the fruit of the Spirit. We are to worship God in all the activities of our home, our work, our community, and life. There's so much more that I want to say about this because there's, there's, there's a lot of things that we should do as members, but, but I don't think we have time today to do that. But I do want your help. Okay, I need five volunteers um, to read some scripture and then answer a, a question about that. So I've got those verses up there. One of them I, I just read, but we wanna, I want to reread it. So can I get five hands up uh, to read? Who would read uh, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 for me? Was that your hand or were you just stretching? Okay, you got it. <laughs> I thought maybe I just called on you. Hebrews 3.13. Who would do that one for me? Thank you, Carla. Romans 15.14. Patrick. Galatians 6.1. David. And then Colossians 3.16. All right, thank you. Okay. How about you read Hebrews 10.24 and 25 for me real quick. So, what is that in that right there? How is that encouraging us to serve one another? What are ways that we can serve one another out of that verse? Or what is that verse telling us how we can serve one another? Well, if we don't see each other at church, we check in. To see if a reason okay. Yep. Like Checking with somebody. That's right. Yeah. Anything else? How do you do that? It's right. You're right. How do we build, by building one another. up? says stir one another up to love and good deeds. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Going to truth, being with people. That's good. All right. Hebrews 3.13. Okay. Okay. How is that a way to serve people in the church? Encouragement, I get it. But what? How? Accountability? Accountability? Yeah. Because what is that doing? The first part is encourage. And the second part of that is why? What can happen? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we need that mirror. We need God's Word's mirror, uh, the, the, the mirror of God's Word. But, you know, have you ever been around somebody that is so heavy burdened, heavy laden? You tell them, well, just read Scripture. Or not, Maybe not say that, but like, let's read Scripture. And it's like, they don't even have the energy to do that. Or maybe you've been there. Being able to just come alongside somebody and talk with them and use God's word in that way to help pull them out of that is a big encouragement because i people can get burdened down with sin or suffering. I mean it, it isn't always just our own sin. It's just life is hard. And life can be overwhelming. And so it can lead to a hardening of sin if we're suffering. I don't want to suffer so, I start blaming the wrong thing. I blame other people. I blame God. I, you know, whatever that may be. So, being able to encourage them with the mirror of God's word. Uh, Romans fifteen fourteen. Uh, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you full of goodness. With all knowledge and you to instruct one another. Able to instruct one another, filled with all knowledge. So, that, does that mean we have all the answers? I don't. If you find that person, let me know. I'd like to meet them. (laughs) That would be really helpful. Right. But how do we instruct one another? And what does this have to do with membership in a church? That's great. Yes. Because some of us are a foot and some of us are a hand. And a foot has a role and a responsibility and a hand has one. Can a foot do what a hand can do? Yes, I've seen people that are amputees that are do things, but does it work the same way as it should if they actually weren't amputated and the hand worked the way it should? No. And so our strengths and weaknesses, we can instruct somebody to help them, to come alongside them, to do with it, uh, help them to do what they are supposed to do. Galatians 6.1 one. Ooh, okay. What's that? What are we doing there? What's the word? What's the key in that? What's the key word in that one? Restore. restore. How do you restore somebody? What do I do to restore somebody? Okay, so we confront, right? What's that? So different versions. Uh, is that this is the one that says "reprove" uh, in certain, some verses? Uh, so, uh, translations, I mean. I'm sorry, "reprove." So admonish, reprove, exhort. Um, some of those different different words there and that. Um, admonish is to indicate to somebody duties or obligations. It's to express this warning or, or disapproval. Ironically, I read this in the, out of uh, merriam Webster's dictionary. It's to express a warning or disapproval in a gentle or earnest way to give friendly advice. I thought, why well, isn't that interesting? Because I think people often, I often would think, admonish is like, you are wrong. Stop being wrong, right? And, uh, but it's saying it in a gentle way. Reprove. This is also out of Mer- Merriam Webster's Dictionary. It's to criticize or correct, especially gently. To scold or correct gently or with kind intent. Like, isn't that? I, that was just really interesting to me that kind and gentle were the aspects of, of uh, admonish and reprove. Um, and then exhort, uh, which is coming up, the, is to use urge strongly, make an urgent appeal. Uh, This is somebody standing on the edge. And don't jump. Like we want to be urgently exhort them there. Um, And then Colossians 3.16. Do you see the two different things that that said there? We are to admonish someone which I said was to indicate that there's an obligation to express a disapproval of what they're doing. Um, and that wouldn't be like my disapproval. It's from God's word what we see wrong. And we do it this gently. So there's the admonish. But then what is the thing that we do that afterwards? It's singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, right? There's, the, there's a, a rejoicing. There's a, a happiness to this. So it's, it's not just coming down hard on somebody, right? We don't, we shouldn't be doing that. We should be recognizing that we also could be in the same place or are in the same place, but we also rejoice that we have a, a God who can bring us out of that, who does show us the right way to think and act and live. Um, and so God's using us to do that in another person's life. And hopefully at some point someone use, does that in our lives, it's this, it's this give and take both, and we can rejoice and we can give glory to God because that is happening. We, uh, I'm going to wrap up here. We ask four questions of new members. If you've been here and we brought up new members, you've seen these questions. Right? So the first one we ask is Do you affirm that eternal life is received by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone? Are you trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior who died and rose again to pay the penalty for your sin and provide eternal life? Now, when somebody stands up here, and we brought them up as a new member, this is not the first time we ask them this. That would be uncomfortable if we get up, bring them up, and we find out they say no. Like, whoa. Uh, no. So, <laughs> what do you do? I don't know what you do in that situation. So, uh, those of you who are members, you know, you have a membership application, you write out your testimony. Um, We've heard people give great, wonderful testimonies uh, when they're baptized, uh, which is wonderful to hear those types of things. Uh, We typically, uh, every so often in my small group, have people share their testimony, which we find encouraging and it's great to get to know somebody that way. But we do this up front, even though we already know the answer to this. So that you all see this and see that they are publicly saying, "I am a believer. I am. am. And I trust in God for the in this way for my salvation." Right? We want to make sure that this is a public display that now we all are in that same. We 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 both we all agree here. We then ask them, do you believe the Bible to be God's word, inspired, infallible, and the sole authority for the way of, li- uh, way of salvation in life? And do you take his word to be your rule of faith and conduct? So we are publicly, again, asking this question so that what is the foundation in which you are choosing to live? Um, is it your own intellect your own standard, or using God as that standard. Um, and so we want that to be clear, that people are confessing that to others, so that we're, we're all on the same page. We then say, "Will you endeavor by God's grace to be a member of the body of Christ, right? That's the big C. We are all part of the body of Christ. But here, are you a part of the body of Christ in this local church through faithful participation in corporate worship? So as a member are you going to come here in corporate worship, right? Not 100% of the time people take vacations, get sick, jobs, those types of things. We're not holding them to that. Uh, like. But there is a commitment. It's a, like a, a public covenant that we're making that this is what we're going to do. And will you do that? The cultivation of your personal growth. This means are you reading God's word? Are you praying? Are you studying? Are you, what are you doing to grow personally? And then using your gifts that we talked about, your talents, your abilities, we ask people, are you going to give money? Um, but this is for the good of the local body and the furtherance of God's kingdom. We see this in God's word um, that um, there is a um, responsibility that we have in becoming members. And so are you committing to that? Are you covenanting that, with, co- making a covenant with us? And we're, we're hearing this and we're saying we're wanting to do that with you as well. And then lastly, are you willing to work in harmony with the leadership of Faith Bible Church as delegated by Christ and to live in such a way consistent with this doctrinal statement for the glory of Christ? Does that mean you have to agree with all secondary issues? No. What this actually is saying is that you may not agree with the secondary issues that we, uh, that we, we say. You know, we here at Faith Bible Church, we have a, we take a stand on all those, we have that interdoctrinal statement. We have that in our constitution. That's because as a church and as um, we, we make that stand, this is what we believe. But of the secondary issues, you don't have to agree with all those. What it means is that you, if you say, I don't agree, I'm going to uh, become a member here. I'm not going to push to make my, what I view to be um, the, the way to do that. Um, I'm gonna, not trying to get people along so that we can overthrow and ch- make that change. Oh, uh, and th- th- that's just one of the things. In harmony, there's all kinds of things that we do as a church, as a leadership, um, in the way that we, are, we do church and the way that we want to move forward in church. And living in harmony is that you don't try and undermine that, but that you try and uh, be a part of that. So uh, help to encourage that.